Have you ever been to Equine Affair? Do you come from a non-horsey background, but you're finding a way to make horses your life and career? Well, this episode is for you because we had a chance to talk with Allison Renborg, the marketing coordinator for Equine Affair. In this podcast, we go beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Welcome back to Beyond the Saddle. We have a very special guest today, and that is Allison Renborg from Equine Affair. And she and I actually met a little over a year ago at the American Horse Publications Conference in Lexington. And we were on a panel together to do 45 ideas in 45 minutes about, I think it was gadgets, gizmos, and apps. Is that right, Allison? I think so. That sounds right. Fun. It was so much fun. Um, And Allison is full of so many great ideas. And she has had quite the journey to build so many different skills that serve her in her role. So without further ado, Allison, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. And uh, it, it was so much fun serving on the panel with you way back in, gosh, 2022. And so yeah, it's just fun to be here with you. I love it. Well, I'm so excited for you to share how you got here, what you do for Equine Affair, all of those wonderful things about your career and about your journey. Um, Let's maybe start with, can you explain Equine Affair? Hopefully people have heard of it and hopefully people have attended if you're part of the equine industry, but let's help paint that picture. Sure. So a funny story, just to start right off the bat, when I first learned about Equine Affair, it was the uh, the owner of Equine Affair calling me to ask if I'd write press releases. And she said, hey, do you do you know what Equine Affair is? And I had to say, no, I, I, I've heard of it, but I've never been. And I thought for sure that I would have lost the job right there, but I didn't. Uh, fortunately, she gave me a chance. But uh, yeah, so Equine Affair is North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering. So we host two events each year. Uh, one in Columbus, Ohio in April, and one in West Springfield, Massachusetts in November. And we're actually celebrating two big milestones uh, this year and next year. So it's our 25th anniversary in Massachusetts this fall and our 30th in Ohio next April. So our next two events coming up are are really special to us and to the whole team, especially those of them who have been there for almost that long. Um, we're just super excited to be celebrating that aspect of our event. But um, in a nutshell, Equine Affair is a four-day horse expo. Um, I've heard it described as Disneyland for horse people, and it really is. Uh, It's how I felt when I first went. I was like, this is Disneyland for horse people, and I am all about it. Uh, So we have clinics and demonstrations and seminars where we gather experts from all aspects of the horse industry together, and they spend all day, every day teaching on topics from, you know, how to ride better to better horsemanship to better horse care and management. Uh, We have clinics on the wild horses out west. We have clinics on, uh, I want to say we've even had a clinic on equine photography, Um, but for the most part, it's it's fine-tuning your riding in various different disciplines, and that's as varied as, you know, vaulting, Uh, Western riding, of course, English, dressage, hunter-jumper, all the things. Um, Basically, if you are interested in learning anything about 
courses, there's probably a clinic for you. Um, and, and that's really fun for me as I, I don't often get to sit through any of our clinics because I'm usually running around, but you can just sort of walk through and soak up knowledge from anywhere. And that's what really gets me excited about our events. Um, we also have educational displays and exhibits. Um, we have a breed pavilion and horse and farm exhibits. And that's where you can actually walk through and talk to the people who own the horses and touch the horses and take pictures with them. Uh, we often have real life briar horses in those exhibits and that's really fun. And then we of course have a huge trade show because you know, horse people, we love to shop. Um, so we have everything for horses and horse people there. Um, and then we also, if that wasn't enough, we have a, a nighttime show, which is called Fantasia. And it's a two hour musical theatrical show um, with all kinds of amazing equine performances. So sometimes our clinicians like Guy McLean, he'll teach during the day and then he'll come and do an amazing performance during Fantasia. And then sometimes we have performers who aren't teachers, but they come in and do amazing performances. So that's that's kind of equine affair in a nutshell. Oh my goodness. Congratulations on those big milestones coming up this fall and next spring. I'm sure that it has evolved over time to be all of those things that you just listed. It truly does sound like Disneyland for horse yep. people. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, way too much fun. Well, if you haven't attended, listeners, you need to put it on your calendar. You have two chances, one in the spring and one in the fall. So go check it out, put it on your bucket list, put it on your to-do list to travel this year and just go have what sounds like a spectacular time. I can't even imagine all of those wonderful things in, in one place. And I myself need to go. It's happening. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Oh, how do you make all of that come to life? So you are the marketing coordinator for Equine Affairs. So talk to us about what does that mean? What, what are you doing to make all this happen? Yeah, uh, so it is a multifaceted role. And my favorite thing about it is that I'm never bored. There's always something different to do. And if I get stuck on one thing, I can just shift gears and go work on something else for a while. Um, but my job is all about promoting our events, um, and we do that through social media, we do that through print, digital, podcast, video, you name it, we probably do some version of it. Um, and I also coordinate with the companies and the people who advertise in our program, or sometimes I work with deliverables for our sponsors. So we have a sponsorship person, uh, Hannah, who's also our trade show manager, but so she organizes the sponsorships, but then, you know, when we say, hey, you get an e-flyer and you get a PSA, I'm the one who has to make sure that that actually happens and get the information from the sponsors so that it gets to the listening ears or eyes of our people, our readers, our audiences. Um, and then if there are people who want to come cover the event for a television show or a publication, I'm the one who they, they touch base with and I make sure they get where they need to go and that they get to talk to the people they want to talk to. Um, and then I also put together our event program, which I'm really proud of. Uh, that kind of goes back to my journalistic publication roots. Um, so I was really fun when I was given the program, I think just last year. Um, and so I work with our graphic designer to make sure that our event program is accurate, uh, that it has all the pretty things in it, um, that the ads are all there 
that the information is correct so that when you come through our doors and you pick up the program, you know where you want to go <laughs> and when to see who. Um, so that's really fun for me. Uh, and then I also co-host our podcast um, with, with Glenn uh, Hebert uh, on Horses in the Morning. Um, so it, it really is a job that throughout the year, I do tons of different things. But then during our events, I'm either performing interviews with our people and videoing them, or I'm helping interviews happen with other people. I help with setup. I help with teardown. I help at the info booth. Um, I get people where they need to be. And then usually I spend all day at the, the event and then I go home to my hotel room and <laughs> kick off my shoes and spend a couple hours on social media, uh, you know, catching up with questions and making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm working with people online to make sure that they're finding out what they want to find out. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my job. There's a, a lot of moving pieces, but it's really fun and dynamic. You definitely get your hands dirty yeah. <laughs> and the work is never quite done. Like you said, you're going back and then you're on social, like marketing. Gosh, it seems like such an around the clock thing, isn't it? <laughs> Goodness. It is. It really is. And it, it can, you can get burned out on it easily, but you just sort of have to step back and go, you know, this is supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. And then that, that helps, you know, get you, get you past that when you get burned out. <laughs> Right. Just, just remember, I love this. Yes. <laughs> it's all for a good reason. And it is, I mean, I'm sure that it's so rewarding to see it all come to life. Like, do you ever just like take a moment and sit back and look over the crowd, look over the expo hall, look over the events happening and just kind of give yourself like goosebumps and be like, wow, we pulled this off. A hundred percent. And my favorite thing to do is to take five minutes and go, I'm going to the barn. I'll see you guys later. And then I just walk through the trade show. I get to smell the delicious food and smell the leather. Um, mm -hmm. And then I walk straight out to the barn and get to touch some soft pony noses and talk to some horsey people. And that that's what I live for. It's like, this is why I do what I do. And it's wonderful. All those warm fuzzies, all those horsey warm fuzzies. Yep. <laughs> the best. Well, it takes a lot of skills too, many different skills to kind of get all of those pieces put together and all of the things you just described from interviewing and putting the program together and all that good stuff. Um, so I want to talk about your journey, but before we do that, just looking at putting up an event like this, and it sounds like it's a pretty small staff. So can we talk about kind of the misconception and can we bust it a little bit of what it's like to work for a small staff and put on an event of this scale? Sure. That's, it's one of my favorite things because I didn't realize it when I was, even when I was freelancing for Equine Affair, which I did from 2018 to 2021, I didn't even realize how small our staff were. Um, but there are six full-time employees right now. They're the ones who work year round. I am one of them. And there's six of us doing this. And at each event, we do have a whole pool of reliable, beloved, uh, wonderful contract staff who help us get the pieces moving and are on the ground, the boots on the ground, so to speak, because the six of us can't do that all by ourselves. But, uh, but the rest of the year, it's us. Um, and I think that people don't understand that. And I will tell you that we all answer the phones. So if you call the office and you have a question, you have a one in six chance of getting our president on the phone, which I just love. I love that Kogi, Kogi, our president, um, I just love that she is not afraid to answer the phone. She gets her hands dirty. She's out there doing whatever needs to be done at the event too. Um, she's really in the trenches working with us. And I think that that 
you know, that just makes it all, makes all the difference to work for somebody who does that. Um, but then, yeah, so we have two trade show people. Uh, we have a marketing person, that's me. Uh, we have a breed uh, and horse and farm person. She's the one in charge of our breed exhibits. And then we have an office manager and our president. And then our office manager and our president are the ones who put together our educational program. Um, they work with our Ride with a Pro applicants, and those are people who apply to ride in the clinics. Um, they work with our clinicians. Lori, who's our office manager, coordinates all our volunteers and our contract staff. And, um, and then Kogi works with our Fantasia director to produce Fantasia. So we really all do a million things. Sometimes I just sit back and go, I can't believe we all do all these things and we stay sane and we, we make it happen and we have fun at the same time. Sanity is relative. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> No, that is so cool to kind of paint that picture of how many people really are hands-on to make this happen, not just once a year, folks, but twice a year. So kind of running the cycle and just feeding off of each other, picking up where you needs to be picked up, down to the president answering the phone, selling you tickets. Like everybody really is that hands-on, which I just, I love that. Me too. They're, they're awesome. I love, I love everybody I work with, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a really good crew. And it definitely you can tell that it's a labor of love to bring it to life. Um, so Allison, let's talk a little bit about how did you get here? So you are the marketing coordinator for Equine Affair, um, but you've done a lot to build so many different skills and you've worked in this industry in a variety of ways. So let's get into it. Can you talk to us about your career journey? From an early age, I loved horses and my parents were really confused by that. Uh, my parents were classical musicians um, and my dad worked for the Nashville Symphony in Tennessee uh, for 20-something years and so uh, their two older children were musically inclined and then I was the baby. I came out and I had zero musical interest and very little musical ability but what I did love was horses um, and they're like well okay uh, and they were incredibly supportive. My parents were amazing. And they they said, well, we don't know anything about horses or the horse industry, but we'll do what we can. Um, so they hooked me up with a, a gigging musician who also owned horses and taught uh, riding lessons just as a side hustle. Um, and she became my mentor and taught me everything I know about horses. Um, and so that's how I sort of got into the horsey side of it, even though my family weren't horse people. Um, but I also had this incredible uh, fascination for language and English, punctuation, grammar, writing. That was my thing. I was constantly reading and writing. And I, so I had these two great loves. I had horses and I had writing. And I'm growing up and I'm thinking, how do I put these together? And eventually, somewhere along the way, I, I must have realized when I was reading horse magazines that uh, equine journalist was a career, that this was a thing that people did for money, that they wrote about horses. Um, and I thought, that's what I want to be. So, <laughs> and that kind of threw a lot of people. Uh, I went to college and I majored in horse science, um, and that was amazing. Uh, and my professors were like, well, what do you want to do, Allison? And I'm like, well, I want to be a freelance equine journalist. And I had great professors, but even they were a little like, well, okay. <laughs> How, um, <laughs> they, were, they were thrown by that. Um, but they were like, okay, well, we'll help you. We'll figure it out. Um, 
And so eventually I started writing for the school paper. You know, you got to start somewhere. Uh, and then when I went to grad school for horse science, um, I learned about an internship with AQHA uh, in their editorial department. So working with the staff of the American Quarter Horse Journal. And I was like, that is awesome. And that is where I need to be. Um, and so I applied and I got the internship. Yay. And so I got to spend a summer in Amarillo. Um, and that turned into the capstone project for my master's degree. I was doing that internship. So I got to cover the youth world. Um, I got to write some articles for America's Horse. I did a whole lot of things in the office and really got a taste for what equine journalism was all about, and I loved it. Um, and so then I graduated and I kept freelancing for horse publications. I branched out into um, the American Paint Horse Journal and other publications, and I was working non-horsey jobs, but also freelancing and just trying to make it, trying to figure out, okay, how do I keep building on this success? How do I keep doing what I want to do so that eventually I don't have to work these um, non-horsey jobs? <laughs> and so for a little while there, I was working at a television station. And I started out as the receptionist, and it was just a full-time job to you know, pay the bills while I wrote. Um, and then I was their media coordinator, so I was scheduling the TV shows. And then I learned how to operate cameras, so I became a production team member and then a television producer of one of our shows. And so I learned about cameras and video, and then I thought, this would be really fun. It's another way to tell stories. What if I could make videos about horses? Uh, <laughs> always horses, always horses, and my boss <laughs> My boss at the TV station was not a horsey person at all. And she was just like, well, I don't, you know, okay. So in 2018, I had finally built up enough of my freelance clients um, that I felt comfortable leaving my full-time job at the TV station and finally going out into the deep end, being a freelance equine journalist. Like, I'm going to do the thing, the thing I've been talking about for years. And I had an incredibly supportive husband who said, yes, do the thing. You should have done the thing four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I did. And so from 2018 to 2021, I was freelancing. And Equine Affair was one of my first clients when I was a full-time freelancer. So I was writing their press releases. And then I was doing video for them. And then I was hosting the podcast. And so I had developed this relationship with Kogi. Um, and then in 2021... Uh, middle of 2021, I was winding down my freelance work because I was about to have my daughter. Uh, and I get a phone call from Kogi. And she says, hey, our marketing coordinator just left. Would you like to come work for us full time? And I'm thinking this is the call I've been waiting for um, because I had developed this just absolute love for equine affair by writing about it all the time. Uh, and then doing video for them. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, but I am about to have a baby. Is there any way we can, you know, work out something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got to do some part-time uh, after my maternity leave. And then in January, 2022, I became a full-time employee and it's been all equine affair ever since. And I love it. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. I love so many things about that journey and about how you've gotten here. I mean, from taking a leap, right. To go full-time freelance, like that must've been 
That must have been scary. Oh, it was terrifying. But <laughs> but I was also the happiest like I had ever been at that point. I was just like, I am so happy. I'm terrified, but I'm so happy right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I'm doing what I love. I believe in this. I'm going to make it happen. And I like how wonderful to have such a supportive husband to help you like take that leap, push you to do it. That is that is really cool and I just love that so much. But even when you're working at the TV station, like you're always like always horses, right? So finding ways to just braid it back into the thing that you care about. Like you made it happen. You, you built this journey. You got here. Yeah. It, you know, at the time it feels like you're just sort of fumbling along and you're thinking, you know, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think I can do it. And then you just find your way and it's really not linear and no one's journey is linear. Um, it's all those ups and downs and you know, sometimes it's moving sideways and sometimes it is moving back, but you eventually get there. You just have to keep your focus um, and you'll get there eventually. I firmly believe that because I, I managed to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, there's something really important about your journey that um, I want to talk a little bit about, take some time to talk about. So you came from, quote unquote, outside of the industry, right? Like you came from a non-horsey family. And I know that it is it is tough, right? And I think that our industry sometimes makes it even harder for, quote unquote, outsiders to come in and feel comfortable and be able to own their space and become professionals. Um, but you just exemplify how to make that happen. Um, and you did it. So can you talk about how you did that and how you can kind of take that and you really made it an advantage for you instead of feeling like being, again, that quote unquote outsider is a disadvantage. Like you put that on its head. Yeah. I, you know, this is, I always get excited when I interview people for the podcast or for Equine Affair and they say, hey, uh, you know, I grew up outside the industry. I started from not here. And I'm always like, me too. And it's just this wonderful moment of like, we, it's us. We're, to, you know, me too. But look at you. You're, you're out here doing the thing. And so I always get excited when I talk to other quote unquote outsiders. But um, it's really easy, I think, to feel disadvantaged uh, especially when you're talking to someone who, let's say, their parents and their parents' parents were horse people and they grew up doing this and all they had to do was walk out the back door and ride show horses immediately. You know, you feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm how can I ever catch up to you? Not just the advantage, but the knowledge that you must have um, that you imbibe with your mother's milk, basically. How do I catch up to that? But I think it's important. Don't have a chip on your shoulder about that. Just own where you came from and who you are and then make it work for you. And I think the the first thing I want to really impress upon people is that everybody is always learning. And that is the horse industry adage, right? You know, there's always something new to learn about horses. It's true. Whether you are that lifelong horse person whose parents and parents' parents were horse people, you still learn new stuff every day. And so those of us who kind of had to get started with the musician parents who were like, well, whatever we can do for you, here you go. Um, I'm learning, you're learning, we're all learning something. And I think that that was a great reminder to me that we're all on sort of an even playing ground just because you have more knowledge at the moment than I do, it doesn't mean that you stopped. You, you kept going and I'm going to keep going. Um, and so I think just always being willing to learn is really the key here to success, whatever your background is. 
and I, I have to say again, my parents were amazing. They found my mentor for me. They eventually bought me a pony. <laughs> eventually <laughs> that pony turned into four horses and we moved to a farm. Uh, now two of those horses were not my fault. Those were rescues and my dad was at the helm of that. Okay. okay. But <laughs> so I think I did a good job converting my parents. But, yeah. <laughs> and so I had this great opportunity to learn about horse care hands-on because I suddenly had horses that I was responsible for. And not only that, um, since my parents didn't know a lot about horses, it was up to me to say, hey, I think Shaggy is sick, or I think we need to call the vet, or, oh, it's time to do the vaccinations. And they're like, okay, well, tell me about that. Um, so that was a huge thing for me. It's I had to learn it. I had to advocate for my horses to my parents, who were, of course, willing to do whatever, but like they needed to know, um, and then tell them about it. So that was a huge huge benefit. But I think that even if you don't have parents who buy you horses, which I admit that was just such a, I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed. Um, my dad is a saint and so is my mom. But if you don't have those opportunities, there are opportunities to get involved with horses um, through all these great organizations that I knew nothing about when I was a kid. Um, so definitely uh, the Interscholastic Equestrian Association, uh, the IHSA, uh, 4-H, FFA, whatever. There's something out there to get you hooked up with horses hands-on, even if you don't get the opportunity to own any. Um, and I think definitely pursue all of that. Pursue, because you have to, we do have to work a little harder. If you don't have horses in your backyard, you have to work harder to get to the horses. But do it, it's so worth it. Because I mean, I love to tell my parents now that I'm 35, we'll see all those years of, you know, horses, it paid off. Look, I'm working in the horse industry, you know, and, and they're very happy and proud. To, they recognize that. But and then to kind of go back to the making it an advantage, um, horse people love to talk. And so if you get the opportunity and the blessing to be around horse people, all you got to do is ask them questions and they'll just talk. And you just get to sit there and listen and absorb that. Um, and so from the journalist point of view, that that was my job. Um, listen to them and absorb what they're saying. And then, yeah, go and do your homework. Um, go look it up. Go read horse magazines. Uh, go read horse books. Back up the knowledge that you, you know, or if uh, someone mentions, you know, Shining Spark, and you don't know who Shining Spark is, <laughs> um, don't admit that you don't know who Shining Spark is. Just go Google it real quick and figure it out. Do your research. And then you can catch up. And then you can start having those conversations. Um, I'm definitely guilty of that. I hear names. Um, even today, I'll hear names about horses or horse people. I don't know who they are. And it's because you can't know everybody. <laughs> um, but then your job is go do your homework and figure it out. And then kind of my third I, you know, thought I had was, when you grow up outside the industry, it gives you a unique perspective. And I think that that is something that people in the horse industry can value about you, whether it's your employer or a friend, is when you ask those questions and look at things differently, it forces people to go, well, this is how we've always done it. And sometimes that's not a good answer because then and the follow-up question is, well, why do you always do it that way? And then you, as the horse person who's always done it that way, you have to stop and explain it to the non-horse person. And then either you realize, oh, this isn't good, 
maybe we shouldn't always do it this way, which is the, the seed of change right there. Or, yeah, this is why we do it. And then you're educating somebody else and you're reminding yourself, this is why we always tie the knot this way. Or this is why we do X, Y, Z. And then that's good for you. That's good for the horse. That's good for the person you're educating. Whether it's, yes, this is why we do it and this is good. Or, no, we do it this way and this isn't good. And maybe it's better for the horse if we look at a different way. And I think that that's the most valuable thing about having non-horsey people come up through the industry is that we can remind you, remind the horse people that it's always good to reevaluate and to re-explain and to look at things differently. So much goodness to unpack there. Oh my goodness, Allison. I'm so glad that you came on to talk to us about this. <laughs> you are such a great champion um, for those people who came from outside of the industry and are now just owning it. And I don't feel like that's a space we talk about enough. And I just think it's, it's so special. Like to me, people who have chosen horses, right? Like if you've grown up with this or like your parents owned a ranch or your parents, you know, were hunter jumpers themselves or whatever, like sometimes it's like part of who you are, which I also love, right? Like mm -hmm. that's special too, but there's something really unique and something just really genuine about that love for horses that you just let manifest and kind of drive your whole life and make it happen. And like you said, you had parents that, you know, were able to support you and able to buy you horses, but you also mentioned so many great organizations that can help you get involved and help you get hands-on with a horse, go to equine affair. Like you're going to be yeah. able to like immerse yourself in it and touch them and be with them. And if that sparks that joy for you, which every horse person out there feels right. Whether you were, you grew up with it or you came to it later, we all feel that joy. And it's like so indescribable. And I just think it's so special what you talked about there of letting that feeling really drive you and owning it, just being who you are, not being, you know, afraid or ashamed of, of asking questions or doing your research and figuring it out because you want to be the best possible champion for your own horses or for the industry that you love that you're growing into. Um, it's just, there's just something about it, right? That if you're choosing it and you're on that road, and you are bringing that unique perspective and you are, you know, maybe questioning or making us think more critically about the things that we have done for forever or the, you know, strange traditions, you know, yeah. of, of how we manage horses or why we do what we do. I just think that's so special. So thank you, Alison. This is, this is fun. I love this. <laughs> this yeah, is great. A hundred percent. I mean, it's really what I'm passionate about and I haven't gotten to talk about it in a little bit, but. Um, I'm also deeply grateful to the four horses that I have had the honor of owning and taking care of. Um, they really are, you know, all but uh, all but one of them has passed on. I still have one. She's in her late twenties. Um, she's my my therapy, my you know. But they're my guiding stars. I think about you know how wonderful it was to get to be in their lives and take care of them. And they drive me even today. I think about well, gosh, I could have done this better for them, and now I know. And someday, you know, when I get to have horses again that I can hopefully ride, um, I'll, <laughs> I'll remember that and I can pass it on. And and so, yeah, but horses are, they really are just the complete catalyst for my life. I love that. Well, there's something really genuine about that commitment, 
right? To doing the best for them. And, you know, when you get your next horse, you know, this, you can go and, and ride again or compete again or whatever fills your bucket, you know, you've got that. Okay. I've learned so much from, you know, the horses of my past and I'm going to do, you know, I learned this, so I'm going to do this better for this horse, or I'm, you know, I'm going to put them on this path because I learned this, you know, mm-hmm. over here. And it really just grows over time, that knowledge and that, but that commitment is unwavering. Right. And like, it's so special. Yes. Your horse now, her name is Ginger. Is that right? Yes. And I, I didn't name her that. <laughs> she, she's a chestnut mare, uh, of course. And her name is Ginger. Um, that was the name that her previous owner had given her. And because I knew her as Ginger before I bought her, I didn't have the heart to change her name. Um, <laughs> but it, it makes me laugh every time I tell people that because it's like, it's such a cliche, the, the chestnut mare named Ginger. But, <laughs> but yes, um, she, she lives on my parents' farm to this day. And uh, I was so honored last Christmas to get to put my daughter on her back and let her ride around in the yard. And I was like, this is what I was hoping would happen was that she would hang on till I had my little girl and my little girl could imbibe that love of horses from the get-go. And, and that happened. And it, it's just really a special memory for me. Oh, I love that so much. Ginger will go down in your personal family history book. That is for sure. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Allison, this has been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about your journey, educating us about equine affair, and just shedding light on this this wonderful, very worthy topic, right? Of there's room in the equine industry for everyone and own your journey, own who you are, ask the questions, get horse people talking, and just just be yourself and be be part of this industry. I'm so thankful you were here to talk with us today. Thank you for having me and I, I hope it helps somebody. Thanks for riding along in this episode with Allison Reinborg from Equine Affair. Do you know someone with a cool career in the equine industry? Well, send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. You can find Beyond the Saddle on Facebook and Instagram.